I actually started with chemical engineering, by the way, and then I switched to math, and then I went to stack. <laughs> um, but to become an actuary is really... I'm trying to become an actuary. Like, people who study actuarial science have a really, really high IQ, but the EQs are really not, not up to par. So they kind of lack some... When I got there, I realized I don't want to do engineering. So I went and I talked to a student advisor and she asked me, what do you like? And I'm like, I like math. I think I like math. I thought I did. And then she's like, okay. <laughs> I... I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot. I remember I would be sitting and studying stats and it would not be making sense. Or I'd be... Um, the stats degree gives you flexibility because you have a little bit more um, to choose your electives. Actual side, the modules that are there in the year, you have to take them. There's nothing else for you to do. How did you learn that first gig? As much as I don't want to say this, it's all about connection. This is why it's so important. So I'm not just working by myself. I'm maybe like working with people in Germany or in England or whatever, you know? So. So your TikTok career. What's up that? Where can we find you on TikTok since you're TikTok famous? At Natasha underscore DA. Good day, one and all, and welcome to the Two Directs Podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Natasha Dugola, who graduated from the University of Pretoria with a BSc in Mathematical Statistics, matriculated with an average of 75%, and currently works as a financial analyst at Floor. And today, she's basically going to be putting us on, on you know, her ins and outs, what she does to actually achieve excellence. So, welcome to the Tudor's podcast, Natasha. It's really, really great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Of course. So, now the burning question that I always get asked from basically everyone in the educational space is how do you get people to, you know, push, become an outlier in their academic achievements? And you getting a cumulative average of 75% is genuinely like very very impressive so now i just want to know how did you maintain such a high performance you know what study habits did you have study techniques you know did you have friends or were you like one of those kids <laughs> just like you know i don't have friends my friends are books like what's what's your <laughs> oh my goodness well for me it started from a young age you know i was always disciplined my mom is a bookworm so i kind of inherited that as well so i was always with my books yes i did have friends okay it's important to have balance especially in university because it's very easy to get carried away um it's very easy to just you know neglect anything and try to chase marks and you know try to be someone but um what worked for me is as much as I don't like it, I went to class. All my classes, I really did. 
the 731 I went if I had to go in my pajamas I went I'm sorry I was not embarrassed I just needed to be there because I think even if I wasn't paying attention all the time I did absorb something that helped me you know with my tutorials or my practicals or even in a craze so I made sure that I was always in class and then I prepared before class maybe like 30 minutes I just went through the material briefly just to get an idea of what was going to be discussed and then off the class I would sit for an hour or so and then I just go through what I learned today and like make little summaries so that when test me came I didn't have to you know stress about what I don't know and what I do know so that that is essentially what works for me no it sounds fire yeah I'm not gonna I'm gonna I, I hate that I'm gonna say this on on the actual podcast but with me I'm probably gonna edit I'm definitely gonna edit this out I'm definitely <laughs> gonna edit this part out but for me like it works it's it's so it's so different with me that yes I do value going to like attending all lectures mm-hmm. but one thing with me is if I, if I didn't prepare for the lecture mm-hmm. I'm probably not gonna show up but during the during like the lecture slot I'll actually do the work that would be covered in the in the lecture and then if there's stuff that I don't get then I'll immediately consult but then the next time I'll make sure like so must be must be must be nice to be able to to be someone that is able to just absorb things like osmosis but I'm definitely <laughs> editing that part out because we want our kids to go to lecture <laughs> you mentioned that you mentioned that you you were really disciplined, yeah. um, and the, and that 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 was from the help of yeah. How did she play a role in you know just like your discipline structure, I suppose, or like what what was her role in that entire segment? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna share a story with you. <laughs> so I remember it was first year and it was like the first time I was writing you know exams at university so the stress levels are really high I was excited that I got exam entrance and you know other people were crying because they did it so I would ask my mom to kind of create an environment that you know will entice me to want to study so I got a little library at home and I would sit there for like an hour. Um, yeah, after an hour, I would take like a five to 10 minute break and then I'd go back. I'd do that maybe for like six times or something during the day. So my mom, every time I would go out and she just makes sure that I am studying you know, and I'm getting through everything. One mistake I often see with, uh, I guess, our clients is that Oftentimes, they would like go through the material, but then they'd never get the opportunity to like test themselves. And then they'd go into like the exams and then they're like, I was expecting an 80. But then instead they got a 60 because like those 20 marks are like, you know, you could have covered them during those little like quiz sections. Just taking a step back and going into like high school. Mm. The 
the approach for success in high school, I do think is quite different to the approach for success in uni. How was your, what was your structure at high school? And just like, what, what is, what is the day in Natasha's high school life look like? Okay. Um, so I was sort of like grade 10 because that's when I had a proper schedule. So grade 10, we choose your subjects. My mom chose my subjects for me because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Thank you. So yeah, I had, you know, a single subject that you run through the day and then I had uh, two extra subjects that I took. So in the mornings, I had class at half past five to half past seven. And then I'd have like my normal school day. School ended at half past two, if I remember correctly. And then three o'clock to four o'clock, depending on which day it was. I think I had economics. I had economics, which was my eighth subject. So I had economics on a Tuesday and a, thir- and a Thursday. So three to four, I would have economics extra class. And then I think half the sports, half the six, I had hockey. And then I'd go home. Because that's my game. Yeah. Okay. So now you said five thirty to seven thirty. They're like a morning yeah. class. Yeah. But the sun isn't even out yet. Like, what are you? What are you doing? I know. So I, like, they call they call it alpha viscender. So I don't know. It's like involved math. So we're doing like it, when I was in grade ten, we we're doing like grade eleven math in that class. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I had that in the morning. I had an option of either taking that in the morning or I would take it from 7 to 9 p.m. And I didn't want to be at school till 9 p.m. So I took it in the morning. Well, that makes sense, though. That makes yeah. Sense. Uh, was it, is it, is it like the standard AP maths that would be offered by IEP schools? Or was it something like different? Um, I think it was the standard because... You know, it was kind of like preparing me for the following year. Mm. So like in grade 11, I had prior knowledge to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. It yeah. does. 100%. It does. Mm. So all in all, you did eight subjects in high school. Why? What? You did nine, nine subjects. Seven, yeah, I think I you did nine. 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 Yeah, um, the, the, okay. So now let's like the nine subjects that you did i guess excluding lo so like you can list the eight subjects that you did so it was english home language okay choral home language um biology physical science economic accounting but we have to talk right Accounting, economic, and then alpha. Biskinder. Yeah. Alpha Biskinder. That's dope. That's dope. You know what's you know what's interesting? With it's it's such a common it's such a common thing that everyone that did really well in maths did a lot more maths than everyone else. Because one of, you know, our our podcast, one of the people that we recorded a podcast with Mm-hmm. she literally also had the exact same time slot 5 30 mm-hmm. till like school starts i think their school started at eight and it was just maths yeah. 
So that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay, so the petition. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Like even in the wise words of Lil Wayne, he said, <laughs> "Repetition is the father of learning." It's true. And then in high school, uh, what leadership positions did you hold? I was on the, I don't know what it is in English, okay? <laughs> you can, I guess, say it in Afrikaans and then we'll figure it out later. Okay, so. Great <laughs> I think my leadership started in sport. Um, no, captain, netball captain, hockey captain. Um, and then up until grade 11, when I got like more involved with like the leadership for the entire school. So we had PLR, which is like the leadership, the prefects for our grade. Now, and then we had Kluwafirat, which is like the prefect for the entire school. And then the matric rod, which was just like the prefects for the matric group. So in grade 11, it was PLR, was PLR and then I became part of the Cluffy Rod, and then I became part of the Matric Rod. <laughs> mm, that's interesting, but that, that honestly sounds like you had a lot going on because you're involved in leadership, you're involved in sports, you're involved in additional academic subjects. Yeah. How did you? Yeah. How, how did you even manage your time? There's only three hours in the day. So how did you? What did you sleep? Were you were you one of those? I sleep for 30 minutes. No. I was one of those people who slept for seven hours. <laughs> I slept seven hours every night. If... How did you do it? Like how, how, what, what time management tricks and you know what I mean, did you employ? I really tried to be present in class and I tried to do what was needed in class so that I didn't have to go do it at home, you know? And, um, I think I, I used to prepare like, but I didn't think like 30 minutes, like I do in uni, I took like maybe like 10, 15 minutes just to go through what was going to happen today. And then whenever I had time off the school, I would do my homework and then I make lots and lots of summaries. I had summaries for day and yeah that that's really it i tried to wake up earlier in the morning because i realized that i function really completely silent like didn't drop silent so i did my best work in the morning and then i would just go on with my day mm. i think i think i'm similar in that regard as far as I always want to do the hardest stuff in the morning as far as like cognitive load goes. So if I know I need to learn a new concept and it's a bit like, okay, this, this is very abstract, then it's much better if I do it in the morning because throughout the day and the afternoon, I'm already like exhausted and stuff. And in the evening, it's like there's literally no hope. Like I'm not doing anything in the evening. Yeah, how do you like approach, how do you approach learning difficult concepts because I mean one you did a ton of things in high school so you know sports leadership mm -hmm. and you're exhausted 
Uh, but also within your, your, your core subject, you have like your maths, course, you have your physics, you have accounting, you have ECOs, mm. which are all not so much abstract, but you sort of need to be very aware of what's going on. And then moving into uni, where the abstraction level increases, how, how would you break down your learning process, especially with things that don't come to you intuitively? It's like, okay, here is a number. And you're like, oh, that's a number. Like integration by parts. And you have to learn that. How, and it's the first time you're encountering it. What is your learning process? I'd start with the research. Um, Google is my best friend sometimes, even though I struggle with it. It's my best friend sometimes. So I normally research the topic and then I try to find examples for me to do later on and then I go on to YouTube and I research it again and find videos and I learn from those videos you know um afterwards I go back to my textbook and I read and I read and I read and I start doing examples and obviously in the beginning you're gonna fail you're not gonna get it right away but I try not to look at the answers because you're just cheating yourself in the end if you do that so I work it out until I get frustrated and I ask either my peers or my lecturer or my teacher, whoever can help me and who has like, who I think is more knowledgeable in the subject. And yeah, and I just take their guidance from that. Oh, that's cool. Is there one subject where that was the most difficult for you to, that's like basically your hardest subject? whether it's in high school or uni, what was one subject where you're like, this is this is an impossible task. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. That. And I had that for three whole years and it was the most difficult module ever. And my modules were just stats, to be honest. In my final year, I had four stats modules. Um... And it was a nightmare because we had theorem that were four five pages long. So the theorem is like maybe like two sentences. And then the proof is the rest of those four five pages. And you had to learn those proofs. We had to memorize them and you had to understand them. And it was such a nightmare. Was... But how did you do it? How did you, how did, how did you, how did you overcome that nightmare? repetition i i wrote down the theorem i broke it down and i found a way to make it easier for me to remember and easier for me to understand because i i can't learn from someone else's notes you know everybody learns in a different way everybody has you know different abbreviations that they use keywords that they will remember so i had to make it my own and yeah, every every night I would be sitting with my notes and I'd be learning three proofs because I think in one of the exams I had to learn maybe 60 proofs. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I would just sit and I would write them out. My hand would get tired, but I was like, I can't. There's no other way. What's What does the structure look like in uni as far as your academics go? So what courses slash modules did you deal with in first year generally and then second year and then final year 
So for me, I think I had, it was always like similar modules because the modules that I took in first year were kind of like the building blocks for my second and my final year, which I think happens in every course. Um, so depending on which electives I chose in first year, that kind of determined which trajectory my career path was going to take. So I think I took maybe, I think I took stats and then mathematics, economics, and financial management in first year, which are exemption modules because I am trying to become an actuary. And there are certain modules that you have to take so that you can get a couple of exemptions before you can write uh, entry exam, quote unquote, to be able to write your exemption module. Does that make sense? I think it does. Uh, what I do want to know is you say, you say exemption module. So you need to do financial accounting, um, stats and maths as okay. exemption modules to lead you on the path to being an actuary. Yeah, and economics as well. And ecos as well. So now, yeah. how are exemption modules? So exemption modules. So you need to yeah. do exemption modules to write an ex exemption exam. No. So oh, no. Write... Am I just butchering all things? No, you, you write your exemption module to get an exemption, which is kind of exemption. like... Yeah, which is kind of like... A, it's like, you know, when you're starting to become a CA, you have your articles that you have to do. Yes, yes. It's like that. Okay. Yeah. And then as soon as you get the exemption, then you can write your board exams. No. So if you get the exemption, you don't have to write the board exams. So to get an exemption, you had to have a final mark of 65. And then... um when you go and apply to be a member of the actual ASA, I can't remember what the abbreviation stands for, but become a member with ASA, you need to have a certain number of exemptions. So if you don't get those exemptions in uni, you write your board exam. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Um, I'm seeing here, you know, uh, I just looked up ASA, the abbreviation, but oh, it's giving mm. me, it's giving me the wrong things. Let me just put actually. Actual yeah. Science Society of South Africa. Nice. Very fancy. Okay. Very yeah. fancy. Are you excited? Are you excited for that? I am because I'm trying to branch into that next year. As much as I love being a financial analyst, I really do like working with probability and uncertainty. So, yeah. Is it true what they say about actuaries that they have really bad social skills? Yes. <laughs> so don't you don't you think don't, don't you don't you think you're gonna be like you know you're gonna be an outcast because you're always out here being a social butterfly and being TikTok famous? Oh, not TikTok famous, but yes, I think so. Like they, like people who study actuarial science have a really really high. IQ, but the EQs are really not not up to par. So they kind of lack 
some social etiquette. Not because I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I just think when you reach a certain level of intelligence, I I don't know. There's like a gap there, and I don't know how people fill it. I think people need to be just self-aware of that, and then they can work on it. Very, very true. Very true. Because when not not in the um XI space, but even with, with engineers, engineers are very similar. Engineering students are very, very similar. Where yeah, like they will know their maths in and out, but then socially, you're like, dude, what is what is going on? You know, it's mm-hmm. like they have that that they have that like adorable awkwardness. You like. You just want you just you just want to hug them, man. But they probably wouldn't appreciate that. No, they won't. <laughs> Over the course of your academic journey, have you encountered any moments of self doubt, burnout, and if you oh did, God. how did you overcome that? Um, I I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot. I remember. I would be sitting and studying stats and it would not be making sense. Or I'd be working on a project and I'd be trying and nothing would work out. And I'm just like, I don't understand why it's not working out. So every time I would just like, you know what, Jesus, take the wheel. Really, I'd be like, Jesus, take the wheel. So I would just, I'd call my mom and then she just, you know, we'd read the scripture together and then, uh, we'd pray and then she would recommend like, you know, uh, a sermon that I would go and watch. So that always just, you know, lifted my spirit and just made me realize that even if it's hard now, it doesn't mean it's going to be hard forever, you know. And sometimes you need these challenging moments to really see how far you come and how far you can really go. Absolutely. So your mom does play like a very huge role in basically your success. Yeah, my mom is, I owe it all to her, honestly. Like she's such an inspiration and she's my rock. Oh, that's adorable. So now are you, I feel like I, because I know you personally, I know how you're most probably going to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Do you think you're your most favorite child? I am a mom's favorite child. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise. No surprises there to your answer. People people that talk for people that hear your voice and they're like, oh, she sounds so sweet and humble. This this woman is not humble at all. She 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 she, 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 she is not. Like just based on based on the answer that you just gave, we know. It's okay. Like I've ex- I've accepted that whenever whenever I jump on a call. Humbleness has gone out the window. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I just know. I just know. Uh, with with your uni experience, um, I do see here that you're part of the exec committee. Yeah. Um, was that was that for your residence or was it for like faculty? What what was that all about? Oh, it was for a day house. So I didn't go to me. Um, but. I was on campus the one day and this girl came up to me and she's like are you in a race and I'm like no and she's like oh okay you don't have to be in a race to be able to take part in 
um, you know, the activities that the kids do at Reeves, come join a day house. So I joined the day house and it was really fun. I got to meet a lot of people, uh, made some great friends. Um, you know, I, I think I had my, the full rounded uni experience because of that. And I enjoyed it so much and that I decided to join the executive committee. I don't know how I got there because I was pretty sure nobody knew me, so nobody was going to vote for me. So when they were doing the announcements, I was like, oh, okay, Natasha. Yeah. Oh, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's her, like, yeah. oh, that's me. Oh, that's cool. I do, I, I feel like that's such an important point to anyone that is going into uni next year or that is in uni being it's so important to be a part of race culture because that's such a huge part of like university especially from the social end of things because i have friends that i wouldn't be friends with today if we just didn't end up in the same residence and even beyond that events or university events are very centered around residences so I have seen how people that wouldn't be a part of a race maybe they stay off campus how socially they wouldn't be as locked in as everyone else Mm. and then you'd see people that are part of a residence and just how if you're a social butterfly you will thrive and I just do think that having a good network of friends in university is very, 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 very important because a lot of people are going from, um, you, like you going, you going into university in a different town, you don't know anyone. And sometimes it can be hard to make friends if you're not a part of a residence or a day house. I don't know. They had day house structures at UP, which is really, really dope. But for anyone listening, going into uni, if you are able to be a part of a day house, like what Natasha said, if you're already part of a residence, take part in res activities because you will make friends for life. I promise you. So yes, if you're already in uni and you're struggling to make friends, easy, then find a way to just throw yourself in that pool of residence culture because you will be better off from it. Um, and then, so you're part of the exec committee. For a residence, BB Dust Ladies, BB Dust Ladies, and then what? What? What role was or what? What? What did your portfolio entail? Oh, I was the marketing EC and semi guardian. So semi guardian for anybody who's like in second year. So I was kind of like, I was in charge of organizing events for them, tailored to their, you know, journey as a second year. And we, it was really fun. I really liked that. I made like little booklets, which I didn't know I could do. Really nice. Where, you know, we had like events, had a whole event calendar in the booklet. So they had the event pre-planned for them for the year and we made shirts and like, um, what else did they have? I think that only had shirts and like maybe jackets and 
yeah, that was the fun part. And then the marketing side was, you know, I was in charge of all the marketing, marketing all the events for the first year, semis and the seniors. And then I was in charge of the website as well. I was so proud of it. Um, I revamped the entire website, which I didn't know I could do. That's, that's, that's really dope. I mean, I want us to go back to, in essence, your entire journey of becoming an actuary, because I do know, even from my assumption, especially going into university, a lot of learners usually think that if I don't get into medicine now, that means I'll never be a doctor, whereas um, you could do science, you can do a BSc, um, something that has to do with like biological sciences. And then after that, get into medicine, you know, starting from like your third year onwards and so on. So a lot of times learners don't get in for what they want immediately. And they're like, ah, the dream is done much as with, wow, what, what other industry can you, in essence, you started off with a BSc in mathematical statistics, but you're working your way into becoming an actuary, whereas a lot of people think I'm not doing actuarial science in university, so I'm not going to be an actuary. Mm-hmm. Or, yes, I, I just thought of another career path that you don't necessarily have to be um, doing it in uni for you to become that professionally is uh, becoming a chartered accountant. Mm-hmm. I know people that got their undergraduate degree in, for example, financial accounting and then they did their CTA, which is like, I guess some like board exam stuff. And then after that, they became qualified CAs. So it doesn't always have to be, I'm starting off with AXI. I'm an AXI person after uni. So what is, what is the journey starting from university or what adjacent journeys? Like if you're not doing material science, nor doing mathematical statistics, is there an, another way to become an actuary, I suppose? Yeah, there is. I actually started with chemical engineering, by the way, and then I switched to math, and then I went to stack. <laughs> um, but to become an actuary is really... It, it's not that hard. Um, it's a lot of work, yeah, but... Clearly. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work, but it's not that hard because... You can, um, you can, okay. So if you have a, a math based degree, so if you have like a BSc mathematics, applied mathematics or BCom mathematics, if they do have something like that or statistics, after you get your, um, your degree, you can apply with ASTA to write kind of like the entry exam it's kind of like an entry exam but it's also not really an entry entry exam but you have to pass this exam to be able to write all your other exemption modules so if you have a strong mathematical background you can just go to us and sign up and then i think they do have the steps on the website you might need a recommendation later here or there um but you just have to make sure that you pass that very first exam that they give you and then you can continue on with your journey. Well, so you started with chemical engineering. I yeah, I took Yeah, so I wanted to become a chemical engineer. Um, 
because my family is full of engineers. So I was like, I also want to go study. I got in at six and I was there for like maybe three weeks. <laughs> and then three I was weeks. like, yeah. And then I was like, no, I don't like this. I want to do something that I like. Because remember, I told you that I didn't know what I wanted to become when my mom was choosing my high my subjects for me in high school. So that uncertainty followed me up until first year. My mom helped me with the applications and everything. So when I got there, I realized I don't want to do engineering. So I went and I talked to a student advisor and she asked me, what do you like? And I'm like, I like math. I think I like math. I thought I did. And then she's like, okay, <laughs> go for BSc Mathematics. So I quickly changed my course. Um, and then I learned more about like, you know, actuarial science because my friends or oh, the people that I met up with were studying actuarial science. And I was like, what is that? That is so interesting. So that is how I eventually switched. And I went to get to my student advisor and she said, you don't necessarily have to have the degree in actuarial science to, you know, become an actuary. You can either take stats or actuarial science because um, the stats degree gives you flexibility because you have a little bit more um, to choose your electives. Actuarial science, the modules that are there in the yearbook, you have to take them. There's nothing else. So I was like, okay, maybe at the end I won't want to become an actuary. So let me study stats and see if, you know, being an actuary is really what I want. And then I realized, yeah, that's what I want. Hey, cool, cool. And you you go through your uni experience, you finish, and then now you're working as a financial analyst. So what does what does that entail? And also how how did you how did you l- land your first gig? Because again, there will be graduates listening that are like, okay, I don't know. Do I wanna do an do I wanna do an internship? Do I wanna do like a learnership thing? How did you learn that first gig? As much as I don't want to say this, it's all about connections. This is why it's so important to build connections while you're in uni because you never know when you're going to need those people. Um, but for me, <laughs> it started with my mom. So I'm not going to say which company my mom works for, but my mom works for a certain company that nobody likes. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> you know it's cool um so she she was handling a contract with like an IT company and she just asked them like do you guys have any internships do you guys have any learnerships available and you know Rajesh was the guy's name Rajesh and my mom kept communicating and Rajesh like looked everywhere for me and I asked my dad and then my dad was like, oh yeah, I have this friend of a friend who does this and this and this. Maybe you can work for them in December or something. And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of worked my way in the, in December. And then, you know, it was like, it was not an official thing until maybe March 2020 where I got the internship and then um it was a short internship because you know we're doing favors for each other and uh yeah so that's how i got my first you know financial 
analyst internship at DLN. And then um, I was like, maybe financial analyst is not what I want to become. Let me ask around again. So then I asked my friends, mom, knows a guy from Benita and he's like a senior at Cheryl, what, 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 what. And he was like, yeah, you can come and work for us for a little bit. And then I was over there. And then the one day my mom was talking to a friend of hers and she's like, you know, my kid is not really happy with what she's doing because at that point I was like just a general analyst. And she's like, oh yeah, I know somebody from Lua. You know, I could set up a meeting and I'm like, yes, let's do it. So that's how I ended up in Fleur. And now I recently, I had another meeting with like the senior craft engineer day. So I'm trying to like move away from the financial analyst side to get into what I actually studied for and what I actually want to do. Because I thought, you know, it's better to explore other avenues and see what I actually like and what I'm good at. And, you know, I'm still young, I'm going to make mistakes, but um, having those connections everywhere that I went, it's good for me because, you know, if I wanted to change my career, I could just be like, hey, oh, I know this person, maybe they can help me out. 100%, 100%. Yeah, you're definitely touching on something that's really, really key just in helping someone's career trajectory and that's mentorship. Because like you do mention your parents like mentors. Uh, yeah, tapping into their network of influence as well, like it just it just makes things so much easier. So we're always for working smart, not necessarily working hard. Yes, work hard, but like work smart. And I do think that's like a very cool way of getting your foot in the industry. It's just like knowing someone in the industry, and then you know having them put you on. As a financial analyst, what do you actually do? Like you walk into the office on Monday morning, tomorrow, and you're like, I'm a financial analyst. I'm going to analyze finances. What does the role entail? That's exactly what I do. I'm going to analyze the finances. So we have a lot of projects coming in, and you want to see if these projects are going to be beneficial to take on. You know, you want to see if you're going to make profit and how the company's finances look. Are you, can we afford it? take this project on for this many years you know what are the risks and everything so we work closely with the cost um, engineers so we basically kind of like build a mini model of the project we do all the calculations and then afterwards we see okay maybe this project will be good for us depending on like which like depending on where it is because Flair is an international company so I'm not just working by myself. I'm maybe like working with people in Germany or in England or whatever, you know? So there's always something for me to do. And then after we like build our little model, we send it out to the project managers and they implement it. And then we get progress on how the project is going. And then we go back on our projections and we see, you know, what can we tweak, which risks were avoided or like which new risks came up. Um, how our how or our financials gonna be able to handle this? Yeah, and then I do like basic reporting, you know, the VAT, the data schedule, and all those other things, which is not really a big part of what I do, but like the project is what I mainly focus on. Oh, okay. And then, what tools do you use 
the most in like your day to day? Excel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I work with the most. Um, it's more it's a choice actually because it's just easier for me to work with. Yeah. Any other day? Have you started leveraging using AI? Uh, because I have seen a few. I've seen a. F- I've seen a couple of videos where they just show how to leverage using ChatGPT with Excel. Uh, I think you're like a plug-in. I don't know if it's with, not Excel per se, but with Google Sheets, you can get a ChatGPT plug-in and then it just helps, especially with data visualization. Like if you have tens of, tens of thousands of data points on your spreadsheet, then you know, you're able to assess trends with um, that ChatGPT plugin or any other AI plugin. Have you started whittling with that? For lack of a better word. I haven't actually. Because for me, I if I do struggle to visualize my data, I don't just necessarily go to Excel. I can use R Studios, I can use Python, I can use SAS. So I the background that I have in that kind of helps whenever I need a bit of visual, but I haven't necessarily tried anything with AI. Okay. That's dope. Yeah. So you can code in Python and in R. Yes. So which which would you prefer if you had to pick one? Python. It's so much easier. Oh is it? Yeah, R is a lot. It's very it's mainly for statistical purposes. So Python yeah. is yeah, so Python for me works wonder. And it's very easy to learn as well. And there's a lot of resources out there for Python. So it's an easier option. Very true. And then one of the earlier things you mentioned was that um, your mom's a bookworm, which I assume made you a bookworm. Yes. <laughs> what's, 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 what's one book that, if you're stuck on an island with only one book, that you mm-hmm. can read over and over again. What's that one book? The Richest Man in Babylon. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I you're a fan of Arcad. His name is Arcad, right? Arcad. Arcad. Oh, the main guy, yes. Yeah, I'm just talking about the author. <laughs> no, not the author. Not the author. Um, actually. Would read this over and over again. Really? Yeah. I wonder why though. Is is did you read Arcad? Yeah, the name of the main guy is Arcad. Did you read the book before you went into your career path, or did you read it afterwards? Because I mean, you're in financial services. I read it before. Yeah. So before being in high school? Yes, in high school. Do you think that the influence of that book set you on this trajectory that you're on, just being in like the financial space? Well, no, mm. not really. I think um, after I decided to come into this industry, it guided me a lot, but it didn't really, you know, push me towards 
towards it. Yeah, I, I just read it because I was bored, <laughs> to be honest. Really? Yeah, I was looking for a book in my dad's um, bookshelf, and it was the first one that I saw. Oh, okay. That's not a bad book to just, like, pick up by chance. Do you remember the very first... Do you remember the first book you read outside of uh, the school curriculum or the one book that got you really interested in reading? Because a lot of people aren't readers, sadly. Yeah. And everyone wants to be a reader because, like, the benefits of reading and so on. However, one thing that I do realize is there's a learning curve to it as well. Um, whereby you have to read for a certain or you have to read a certain number of books before you hit that point where you start to enjoy reading because like sometimes like you know you know no eight-year-old kid wants to really read a book when I could be like playing with my friends or like playing video <laughs> games and so on so what's the one book that really got you past the I guess the painful part of like oh gotta read words on a paper to so like Oh wow, this is reading is actually really dope. I actually can't remember. Because what I yeah, I remember like when I was very young, my mom was doing her honors, I think. So the one way she kept me busy was with books. So I think what I remember reading was like, you know, those Brad books, those Hannah Montana books. And then I branched off to like high school musical and then it was more like Alice in Wonderland and the Maze Runner and Geek Girl and all those other things. So I don't remember the first book, but those are like the beginning stages that I remember. Huh. And then this is like a dumb question to ask, but do you think there's benefits to reading? Because I know, I know, I know what your answer is going to be. But what ha- <laughs> what has what's your answer? I mean, come on, like, like they're like obviously, obviously, he's supposed to read. I'm Natasha, and like I read a lot of books. I used to read Maze Runner when I was like a child. So obviously, uh-huh. like you, you, you are a reader. But for someone that isn't as much of an avid reader, you know, if you had to sell them reading, what would you say? I would say. It's sometimes nice to create the story in your head, you know, because when you're reading, you're actually like visualizing what is happening. And sometimes you get a, a different point of view, you know, let's say you're reading fiction, then of course you can visualize the story and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that, I don't know what you're reading, maybe you're reading a novel, um, a romance novel, you know, I can't believe that man. Um, she sit on his wife and she didn't see it coming and you know everything before it's gonna happen so it makes it so much more interesting to just be a part of that journey and I know sometimes it's boring sometimes you know the storyline takes a while to warm up but it can really help you in the future like it increases your vocabulary you can sound so much smarter and who doesn't want to sound you talking to True, especially you, haha. <laughs> especially uh... me, because yeah, I'm like I'm smarter than everyone in the world. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have a favorite author? If it's not the author of the richest man, baby lot, baby lot, who is George Samuel 
Klassen? Yeah. Uh, I don't. Actually, yes, I do. It's Jane Austen. I just love reading for both. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what genre is she? Uh, fiction. Her books are her books are classic. I even have my journal. Yeah, I have like a mini collection. I'm trying to pull up full of her books. No, I'm looking to it because I've never, I've never, I've never actually heard of her, which is embarrassing. Oh, really? Legitimately, first time. You should read. Have you read like? Oh, wow, it's like, I, 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 it's, and it's a very. And it's an old author, like yeah. from like way back when, 1700s. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. That's very interesting. I think my favorite author, I think for me, for me, the one book that got me into reading or the one book, let me say the first book I read that was like outside of like school, read this so that you can prepare for your Mondelein, you know, like those books that are like prescribing yeah. food. But the one book that I just read by myself go through it but the very first book that I did pick up and like read was actually Charlie at the Chocolate Factory where that's when I was like oh my goodness bro you can like world build in your head like when they're like this guy got stuck in a chocolate tube and then like it exploded like you can actually see it in your mind's eye and I was like this is crazy this is actually very crazy yes um so your TikTok career yeah <laughs> Where can we find you on TikTok since you're TikTok famous? At Natasha underscore DA. Is is that is that is your TikTok like a escape from reality a bit, you know? Because like you you're at work, you're doing very quantitative work and you're like, okay, cool. Now it's time to it's time to break dance. <laughs> it is actually. It just helps to calm me down. Like I love dancing. So I used to dance at a studio, but then work got a little bit too hectic. So I was like, you know what? Since I'm on TikTok all the time, I might as well learn a couple of steps, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just looking more into Jane Austen. And I've heard a lot of references about Pride and Prejudice. So I don't know that she's the author. I think I think if there's one, I I honestly had no idea. I do think if I do, when I actually do pick up a Jane Austen book, the first book's probably going to be this. So let me see what this. You is should read about. it. I haven't read it. And in if a while, it's, and if it's if it's trash, it's not going to be trash. Not, if it's trash, I'm going to block you, bro. I'll be like, I want to taste. Um, <laughs> Yes, uh, I think I think that's about I think that's about it. Final question, yeah, which is probably my favorite question. If you could write one sentence, or if like a couple of sentences on a billboard, and that billboard was going to be seen by the entire world, what would it say? Um. If you want it hard enough, you'll get it. You'll go get it. Uh, yeah. 
That's good. That's good. Vague. No, it's not vague. Just bringing me to reality. Like, huh? I guess. I guess I don't want that Porsche hot enough, huh? <laughs> or I'm not going to Or I'm going to hear it. You know, that's the one that's thing true. that keeps me grounded. I, like, I'm like, I want to be a millionaire. Okay, so what steps are you taking to become a millionaire, huh? Okay. I didn't need to pull um, myself out. <laughs> you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alrighty, Natasha. Thank you for borrowing your time. I've learned a lot about Jane Austen, about being a financial analyst, about the pot being an actuary, and about like the influence your mom has had in your life because you're like, my mom. She's like, mm. and I'm my mom's favorite. <laughs> and I'm my mom's favorite child. I I hope your siblings listen to this and they realize what they are now you're an op. Natasha's an op. Oh, why, why do you think your mom's favorite? Who do you who do you think you are? Who do you know? Say you are. But we all know it's sure. <laughs> Alrighty, now it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for borrowing your time. Always appreciate it. It's always a good time. It's always a good time. Yes. And yeah, that's about it. It's gonna be like music. I don't know. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with like a sister Batita at the very end. Ah. Entry, <laughs> 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 <